Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday. That means it is Mental Health Monday here on the Coffee Hour. We'll get to our conversation with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Happy Mental Health Monday, and I am looking forward to our chat again today. I always learn something uh, in every conversation. I hope that's what our listeners are gaining as well. If you have a question about uh, to the listener, if you have a question about something um, or something you'd like for us to address here on the Coffee Hour, send us an email, coffee at kfuo.org. I bet we could dig into it here on Mental Health Monday. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. I like requests for what people want to learn about and also what they want to practice. You know, today we're going to mm-hmm. talk about some skill sets uh, in the topic that we're talking about. And so that's an opportunity to take a couple of things with you and then try them out until next Mental Health Monday. And so that'll be a fun thing that I think we're going to try to do, particularly as we enter into this month of February, we're going to talk about the topic of intimacy. And I think intimacy is an intimidating word. It sounds <laughs> uncomfortable just to say it sometimes <laughs> in certain settings, you know. Um, it makes me think of when you sit on a couch and you're watching a movie with your parents and then there's a scene that you didn't know was in the movie and everybody just wants to turn it off. I feel like that's how people feel about the word intimacy in general. And so don't worry, we're going to get to the uh, discussion of definitions and meat and abstract, but then move on to some skills maybe we can take with us. So you use the word intimidate too. And now I have to, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole eventually mm-hmm. off air because I want to know if there's, because the words look like the, the root looks the mm-hmm. same. Oh, that is a good question. Hmm. Language is such a good gift, and it can also be a huge problem sometimes because the same sinful people that go out in the world and live with us today are uh, just like the people who make up words and have to uh, create (laughs) meaning from those things and stuff too. So that'll be a good rabbit hole, I think. You might find out something. Uh, Just don't put too much stock in whatever (laughs) someone created as the symbol of what we call intimacy. So. Okay, back on topic. Sorry. (laughs) So I like to define things. And in my great desire to define things a little bit better for us with both the theological realm and the psychological sociological realm in mind, I decided to create definitions in my book that comes out in April, Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration from CPH. And I think every Mental Health Monday at this point feels like a plug for that book. That's not necessarily my intention, but the book grew out of this need we have that I've seen around me for us to be able to enter into understanding these things better for the growth of our relationship, but also for just moving around in a broken world. And intimacy is certainly one of those topics. Intimacy has a depth of meaning for us, unlike so many other things. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit 
in a second what the difference between connection and community and intimacy is, because I think we get those terms confused a little Mm. bit. Uh, And I think that will help us a lot too. But let's just start with a basic definition of intimacy. And these are definitions I've created from my own research, from uh, looking into both scripture, of course, as our foundation, and then also uh, the current psychological and sociological research that's out there and other authors and Google searches and all of that stuff. And so they're imperfect definitions, but they keep us on the same page. So intimacy is a depth of relationship, often reflected interpersonally as a sense of well-being and safety. Those are two keywords, well-being and safety. And then also it can be considered a relational state that includes a sense of being deeply known of someone knowing us and us knowing them. So intimacy is by nature reciprocal. I think you uh, want it to be different. Like you want to be able to be known intimately without offering something of yourself sometimes. And that's just not going to happen. Good try. Good try. But that's not the way it works. We want to have these protective factors that we place on ourselves that aren't protective factors. They're armors. You know, last Mental Health Monday, we talked about actual protective factors and their benefits and things like spirituality or good support systems. Those are protective factors. We like to call the armors that we put on ourselves to keep ourselves from having to be vulnerable protective factors. And they're not protecting us. They're not helping us, but they uh, give us a false sense of safety and security. True safety, we know scripturally, is in being known by the God of the universe through Jesus Christ, his son, who makes that possible. And I cannot imagine life without being known. I don't think any of us want to imagine that life. And so I think if we take a second on this Mental Health Monday to be really mindful of that and praise the Creator, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit for searching us, for knowing us, for allowing us to be in relationship with them, that is a true gift that will give life and hope to all of our relationships. So I just encourage the listener to take a moment and be mindful that all our relationships flow from that first relationship, that we are known when the people around us fail us and fail to know us and we fail to know them. Instead, God remains perfect and loving and just and kind in the middle of all of that. So when we move through the uncomfortable discussion of intimacy, we just rest in his intimacy of our hearts and our lives. And so I think I'm going to dig into that well-being and safety next and make it a little bit interesting by changing it up and asking Andy and Sarah uh, the question (laughs) early on, what kinds of things in a relationship make you feel safe first? Let's go with that. What kinds of things make you feel safe in a relationship? Uh, Knowing that I can trust the person, um, having that that feeling of, uh, I feel like trust and safety kind of go hand in hand because if you Mm -hmm. don't trust the other person for whatever reason in in anything there's there's going to be a lack of safety there um also being able to be vulnerable without fear of judgment um and being able to show like raw emotion and to be able to to express feelings to that person that you maybe can't or don't want to express to somebody else and also knowing that that person is listening to what i'm saying or expressing and responding to it in an appropriate way. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really great how you just pointed out that we want to be seen and heard is part of being known. And there is a real sense and God built our attachment system, our hormones, as well as our neurological system and sensory system in order to trust there has to be some sense of attachment in that. And that's an internal sensation as well as uh, something external that we give as a gift, you know, and it's certainly easier to do when the God of the universe, uh, we have a relationship with him and we feel attached and connected to him. So I, I appreciate the way you connected those dots. How about you, Andy? What makes me feel safe? Mm-hmm. Um, probably the, that which is familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, when something is familiar, that can make me feel safe. What makes me feel known? Uh, um, while it's not nearly as articulate or as clear as what Sarah said, but uh, similar to what she said, is when I feel heard, when mm-hmm. when I know that uh, when I know that someone's listening, mm-hmm. and 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 it's clear that they're listening, they, there's something to affirm that they're listening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those are some skills we're going to talk about in just a second. I promised you that we would dive into a little bit the difference between intimacy and then connection and community. And so, again, this is something I unpack more in the book, but for our purposes here, intimacy is both interpersonal. So there's definitely two people or one to two to more people involved. There's never just you, yourself, and you. (laughs) There's you and God. That's a relationship. That's why there's intimacy there. Um, There's a difference in having a sense of self and knowing ourselves and working through who we are as a person. I think the reason that that act is intimate is because it's connected to God. I don't think we do that. Even if we uh, don't know God, don't believe in God, we're not actually doing that apart from God. He's in everything. He's all Colossians tells us. And so the reason those actions are intimate is because God is connected to them in my lens and vantage point. Um, And then it's also, like I said, that reciprocity is involved in intimacy. So for intimacy to grow, for there to be depth, remember that's a key word in the definition depth, then there's going to be a back and forth to it. There's going to be relational sharing as well as relational receiving. And then the cycle continues. Otherwise, relationships stay what we call stagnant. And actually, they kind of go backwards. You know, relationships for them to increase in intimacy, uh, that's where we want them to be. And we share that reciprocity. But if we aren't sharing reciprocity, then it's kind of like the continuum of life or death. (laughs) They're dying. They're not moving toward anything. There's really no stagnancy in reality. Instead, there's movement toward the death of the relationship. So that's something to keep in mind too. That's sorry to be a Debbie Downer about relationships, (laughs) (laughs) but the good news is growth can always happen, right? That we don't, we don't have to exist there. Um, And so connection, I think is what we are often doing when we want intimacy. So connection is a singular momentary instance. It's something that happens, uh, it's a one-time gig. And that is an important thing. We can't have intimacy without connection, but we often fool ourselves into thinking that connection is intimacy. So we trade it. Instead, we uh, have the one moment with someone, but we don't follow up or there's nothing to continue it or we don't 
open ourselves to the vulnerability or open ourselves to hearing their vulnerability and taking it deeper. The depth is the intimacy. Then the other thing that we often trade intimacy in for is community. Again, super important. We want to have community, but community is intentional life together and there's a group aspect to it. And so that can be really great, but without intimacy, community itself will lack depth. And so you can start to see how all of those terms get inter- interchanged. And, you know, it's fine. It's just language, like we said at the top of the hour. But it will be very helpful for us to start to identify where am I connecting in this world? And then where am I actually moving toward intimacy? And so when we get back from the right, we'll talk about some skills to get us there. Very good. Very good. Intimacy. If it's uh, if you're not working toward intimacy, your relationship is dying. There you go. Happy Monday, everyone. <laughs> Happy mental health. <laughs> Happy mental health Monday. You, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have more to talk about here on Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Today's topic, intimacy. What is intimacy? And uh, we were just talking, we've defined intimacy and um, explored it in in terms of what it is uh, and what, what it well, we haven't really talked about what it, well, a little bit about what it isn't. Like you mentioned, connection <laughs> isn't intimacy necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's a good, a good thought. Like I am so much better at describing what it is than what it isn't. Do you guys have some thoughts on that? I mean, you know, if I'm going to take over the show, then I would suggest <laughs> that. What do you think? Let's unpack that just a little bit. What isn't intimacy besides it's not connection? It's not just connection, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a better way of saying it. Yeah. Um, perhaps it's not just. Uh, uh, maybe today we might think that it's a. Um, there's a rush of feelings, and that's only mm-hmm. like the, those feelings must mean that there's mm-hmm. intimacy there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that like early love or um, that happens both in romantic relationships, but also friendships. So that's a really good point that we trade in um, ardor, if you will, or lust for Mm -hmm. what we would consider to be intimacy. That's a good point. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I think we also consider intimacy sometimes a right like because we gave birth to children, we have the right to intimacy with them. And similar to trust, there is an aspect where intimacy is 
uh, just there, but that's always a gift from God. Like there's someone working toward that because we're being searched and known and all of that good stuff. But at the same time in human relationships, um, especially as children grow, but even in their smallest selves, that intimacy is, um, I hate to use the word earned, but there is effort, if you will, to intimacy that you are giving and receiving in the act of intimacy with even the smallest of children, right? Uh, otherwise, there isn't intimacy. And you think about attachment uh, in a child, if, if we're not meeting their needs, if we're not answering them when they cry out for us, um, and we expect intimacy in return, we expect them to respond to us when uh, we play with them or do something with them, then we're going to be disappointed. And so, yeah, I think that's a really helpful conversation. Thanks for bringing that up, Andy. Those few things that we know that intimacy is not can also give us a helpful basis for understanding it. So are you guys ready to move on to skills? Yes. All right, let's do it. Skills. Um, The practical is such a gift sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't negate the work of of understanding, you know, the idea of intimacy more. But sometimes we need to get down to brass tacks and just practice intimacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it again, it can be very uncomfortable for some of us. Uh, Others of us, maybe because we were given such great intimacy at times by the people in our lives, it might be a little bit easier and feel safer to move through even when we're disappointed by people. So that's what we call trauma-informed. We want to understand that intimacy is harder for some people, and we want to move carefully and gently within our circles and within our communities and when we make connection in order to build intimacy then. And so a couple skills to keep in mind. One is communicate, communicate, Mm -hmm. communicate. (laughs) There's just like there's no intimacy without connection. That's like a building block. And we've talked about bids for connection before. Uh, There's also no intimacy without communication. And again, so often we take intimacy to be a right and we don't communicate. This is very clear in marriage and you guys are both married. So, you know, Um, it can also be true in very deep friendships or in family bonds um, where we take for granted that relationship and the intimacy is so strong over time that we start to be kind of lackadaisical in our communication because we assume the other person just knows. (laughs) And and that's a lie of Satan that people just know where we're at. There's a difference between being known and people knowing what we're thinking. Uh, Only God does that. God searches us and knows us. And that's what Psalm 139 says. The people in our lives need to be told. And that is, Brene Brown says, clear is kind. And so sometimes we skirt around issues or we don't say things because we think we're being kind by not calling somebody's uh, behavior out or by not telling them where we're at on a particular uh, subject in our lives and relationships. But being clear about it with gentleness, with honesty, with respect, that goes a very long way in a relationship. And so kind of Think about who is someone, I'm not going to ask you this, Andy and Sarah, don't worry, but (laughs) hypothetically speaking to the listener, consider in your life someone that you might need to be a little bit more clear with because you desire to be more intimate with them. If you desire the relationship to deepen, number one, even that might be stated 
hey, I'd like a deeper relationship with you. So I'd really like to spend more time together. Or I'd like to make sure we're checking in with each other. Or maybe I'm going to um, text you each day instead of like I've been doing is going months on end without talking or something like that. Just expressing what you need in the relationship and then also expressing the desire to hear what they need in the relationship. So you can hear the reciprocity in that. I'm concerned about what I need, but I'm also concerned about what you need. And we're going to clearly communicate that even when we don't know it, when we're trying to figure it out together. We're stating and ex expressing together where we're at in that process. Um, this is a place of safety that I, I don't think we work on building in our relationships. When I know that I can state what I need to state to you and you're going to give me the best perspective and we're going to work through it together, that communication gift is exponential and it will spur on more clear communication and more safety in the relationship. So are there any topics in your homes, Andy and Sarah, I'll ask you guys that, that you guys struggle to communicate about in particular, any topics or any, we could take it broader oh too. <laughs> I know, right? Any topics in the world at large that you see people struggling to communicate about? I mean, that one's an easier one. I don't want to throw my husband under the bus here. That's true. Right, 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 right. That Sorry, was not Mr. fair. Costa. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, I think one at home in general, um, chores probably is one that sure. is can be across the board difficult yeah. because especially, I mean, when you're marrying two different households, mm -hmm. two different ways of doing things, there's always going to be some weirdness about who does what and how structured it is and, and all of that. In the world, I mean politics anyone <laughs> mm, right mm -hmm. yep leadership of any kind yeah, yes that's gonna yeah. be those are good topics yes and I think both of those are very generalizable like most households would, would say that chores can mm -hmm. be difficult and part of that is the day-to-day -day process so intimacy is a really cool thing because sometimes there's like these really large moments of connection involved with them but there's also those tiny moments of connection each day. And that's why communication about chores and things like that can be so useful because those moments of connection, as mundane and silly as they seem, build that intimacy base and that feeling of safety and being known. So how about you, Andy? What do you think? Um, just like Sarah mentioned, chores as a part of managing a household and, how, and uh, I, I think uh, also money and how mm -hmm. a yeah. family manages money can be um, the, the, a, an issue when it comes to intimacy, being more mm -hmm. open. Um, you know, this, this takes me back to, I was thinking about um, in, uh, you know, some couples do premarital counseling and, and we were blessed that uh, we were able to go through premarital counseling um, before we were married. And it was very insightful in talking about the things that Sarah just talked about, you know, when you're marrying two two different families, you bring the the culture of those two different families of origin, and and so mm -hmm. you might see those things differently, whether it's chores or money or other responsibilities that are part of managing a household. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, certainly, I think money can and, and communication about that money 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, premarital counseling is such a gift because it helps us to bring to the table that act of leaving and cleaving. So we're intentionally doing that together. And that is another thing that builds intimacy. And I actually believe that in marriage in particular, it is something that we intentionally do in our marriages throughout our life. It's not something that just happens. It it does happen before the altar of God once and for all. But at the same time, just as God often does, there's a duality to that. And we are continuing leaving and cleaving those two families of origin to create this new family. And you guys hit it the nail on the head. I think the two things that I hear the most are those everyday life things as chores and uh, parenting is another one, decisions that need to be made, uh, and then also finances. And both of those then, we know things that we're trying to communicate about that have a high level of shame factor to them is one reason that they can be touch point things. And so then I would encourage the listener to just be more gentle about those things with one another. Uh, If you want to communicate, which is what we want to do in order to build intimacy, then gentleness is the fruit of the spirit that we want to engage in. It's another skill that we probably need to practice. I'm not going to be able to be gentle um, when I open my budget and decide, oh goodness, the water heater's broken and also uh, the dishwasher and somebody needs school tuition money and all of that. That that doesn't bring up my gentleness. It's a skill that I practice and ask God (laughs) before his throne to help me with. So the last thing I'll say before we sign off, and the next episode, we'll talk more about the idea of intimacy versus isolation as a developmental conflict, that it is something that we want to engage in for our own mental health, not just for that relational health between two people, but that there is a spiritual battle going on. Uh, when we talk about intimacy, that Satan, one of his deepest desires is to keep us from intimacy, particularly with God, but also with each other. And so next time we'll talk about that relationship between growth and our mental health and how to grow in intimacy um, in that spiritual battle. Um, And then just go out and be known, you know, give a little time, give a little energy uh, to two people in your life that you want to grow that deeper relationship. That would be my task for the listener this week. (laughs) All right. We've got our homework. Very good. (laughs) Heidi, always great to chat with you. HeidiGaiman.com. You can find more resources there. And Heidi Gaiman writes on Facebook. Thanks so much for uh, great insights this morning here on Mental Health Monday. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.